Good morning and welcome to the Alpha Zone with me, your host, the Alpha. Pull up a chair, have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and listen to the Alpha Zone. This week we start with Impact for the 30th of September 2021. After 31 minutes and 49 seconds we get a promo from Christopher Daniels. Daniels was asked why he came back to Impact. He said he'd heard a lot about the Forbidden Door. Don't know what that means but he'd heard a lot about it and decided to give a knock and then he thought why should I go through the Forbidden Door when I helped build Impact Wrestling. So, if anyone's going to come back, it's me. Josh Matthews. Then approaches Christopher Daniels. Shaking his hand, welcoming him back and thanking him. For his assistance last week. Christian walks over and says... As nice as it was to see Daniels, he wouldn't have needed help if Josh had kept his eye on the ball and had actually been a proper tag team partner. Daniels interrupts them bickering back and forth and says, I'm out. Great promo segment from Christopher Daniels. Meh from Josh and great banter with Christian Cage as always now we skip about 10 minutes and we are in a Christopher Daniels match and he is facing mad man whatever the fuck his name is Ace Austin's assistant stooge whatever After a great back and forth, I'd say 80% of the match, Ace Austin interferes and then Josh comes down, taking Ace Austin out from ringside. The match continues with great grappling, great traditional wrestling back and forth, just the right amount of high-flying moves. And in the end... Christopher Daniels wins. 7 out of 10. And as you know, there is the impact rule. Where if they're not going to take it seriously and put on good matches, I'm not going to review it. So, that's the end of impact for this week. And now we turn to Friday Night Smackdown, which aired on the 1st of October 2021. As you are all aware, this week was the start of the draft on SmackDown. I will announce that after I've done the SmackDown review. However, the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns made his way to the ring to kick off the events, the evening's broadcast. 
Baltimore acknowledged me, Reigns insisted, before handing the microphone over to his special counsel, Paul Heyman. After Heyman recapped his client's victory over Finn Bauer at Extreme Rules, he also mentioned the name of his former associate, Brock Lesnar, and the Beast Incarnate made a surprise appearance to a thunderous ovation. A tense stare-down gave way to a physical encounter that saw Reigns fire off a series of left and right only for Lesnar to take him down with a suplex. He added a few more suplexes to Jimmy and Jay Uso before taking them down with a pair of F5s. Lesnar stood tall to close out this segment. A dismayed and rattled Reigns left. 10 out of 10. Everything about the start of this week's show was straight fire with the Roman Reigns segment and later the stare down with Brock Lesnar and the physical that was captured between them even though it was momentarily. It is setting up for their big match in the stadium in Saudi Arabia. Next, it was Kevin Owens versus Happy Corbin. Prior to tonight's show, Kevin Owens, Happy Corbin introduced the WWE Universe to his new associate, Madcap Moss. Corbin controlled the majority of this match with Owens working the knee in an attempt to keep the former Universal Champion grounded. Owens fought back and delivered a cannonball in the corner as he built momentum, though Owens came distracted by Moss at ringside and Corbin capitalised with a ha- with happy days on the floor. Corbin a- N added another in the ring for the pinfall victory. After the match... Pierce and Deville came out and announced the latest picks for Raw and SmackDown. However, that will be done at the end. Corbin defeated Owens via pinfall. 5 out of 10. It doesn't feel like WWE knows what it's doing with Corbin's character. One of the best characters early in the summer has enveloped into a money-hungry, over-happy Mess with a sidekick no one has asked for. Owens feels like a performer on his way out. His contract is up shortly. He's not really invested in any major storylines. Has been presented more and more as getting Corbin's new persona over than anything. He He has earned better than that. But for now he looks poised to waddle along. With nowhere to go. As for the draft picks. They broke up New Day again. While I'm happy about that. I'm annoyed that they didn't send. Kofi Kingston. And. Xavier Woods. To NXT for more training. Next Edge exploded through the curtain. Just moments after it was revealed. He is headed to Monday Night Raw, showing no signs 
of the alleged injury that threatened his career. A video captured Seth Rollins' threats from last week and after some pending and brief moments of his impending, impending move, Edge addressed his rival. Edge dared Rollins to come to the ring and extract his retirement announcement from him. Instead, Rollins appeared outside of Edge's house in North Carolina. He entered and made himself at home and taunted the Hall of Famer from afar, saying such things as, Edge, you are a liar, who has, who has said multiple times, you are going to show up, and you haven't, so I didn't trust you would show up, and I came to your house. He threatened to stay the night as cameras caught up with him. Edge, who got a hold of his wife Beth Phoenix backstage, the segment ended with him barking orders at his wife and panicking for his family's well-being. This, 7 out of 10. It really was a 7 out of 10. There was, you know, it, it wasn't good. Wasn't bad, it was just meh. And the next match was another chapter in the rivalry between Liv Morgan and Carmella. Appeared to be poised to write itself the latest chapter, but the match ended before it could even start after the latter produced a master after Carmella produced a mask to protect her face and laid out her rival. After the match, Pierce and Deville came to announce more of the draft picks again we'll go over that later Morgan and Carmella fought to a no contest that gets a 4 out of 10 next match was an 8 man tag match and to be honest I'm, in, I'm invoking the impact rule if WWE aren't going to take it seriously neither am I the, the grade for that match, I hear you ask, 3 out of 10. Too many people, too much high-flying, didn't make sense, too much flips, tricks and dance routines. Backstage, Brock Lesnar interrupted an interview between generic interviewer, who is never identified, and Jeff Hardy, to reveal that he is a free agent thanks to his close personal friend Paul Heyman and can do whatever he wants. In his private locker room, an irate Reigns ordered Heyman to go to Raw, where he was tasked with ensuring the Usos are drafted to SmackDown. After he ordered that, Paul Heyman left. Reigns then looked at his cousins and said, leave him for dead on Raw. If the Usos are drafted to Raw. Next match was Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. They both made their way to the ring for their WrestleMania rematch when SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch interrupted the proceedings heading to the announcer's position. Banks reminded everyone of her excellent escaping the grasp of her opponent and seizing control of the match through the commercial break, while Becky 
discusses her championship reign on headset. Belair delivered a modified glam slam for a near fall. She added a handspring moonsault for a two count. Banks answered with a double knee in the corner and followed with a frog splash moments later for a near fall. Banks capitalised on a distraction from Becky Lynch to score the win via a jackknife pinfall. How, I hear you ask? Well, do you remember me saying that Belair's hair gets in the way because it's too fucking long and she uses it as a whip and that should be illegal? Well, Becky just grabbed hold of Belair's hair for about 30 seconds, caused a distraction, and then Banks capitalised via a jackknife pinfall. After the match, Charlotte Flair came out of nowhere to rock Banks with a big boot and stood tall to close out the show. That gets a 10 out of 10. Now for SmackDown's draft pick. Their first pick was Roman Reigns. Their second was Raw Women's Champion Charlotte. Third pick, Drew McIntyre. Fourth, New Day. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Fifth, Happy Corbin and Mad Cop Moss. Six, Hit Row. Whatever that is, it's from NXT. Then, Naomi and Jeff Hardy. That was the SmackDown draft picks. Now for the Raw draft picks. WWE Champion Big E drafted to Raw. Bianca Belair to Raw. RK Bro, Randy Orton and Riddle Raw. Edge Raw. Rhea Ripley who looks like she is who looks like she is a dominatrix with how she comes to the ring and her ring gear. And Nikki Ash, as they are, they are both on Raw, but they are currently the tag team champions, meaning they can go to any show. However, this is a very odd pairing, because like I said, Rhea Ripley looks like a dominatrix, and she looks like, and Nikki looks like a Nikki Ash is a dressed up superhero. So you have. Rhea Ripley that looks like she's a dominatrix taking her what looks like her little cousin trick-or-treating. Next, Keith Lee to Raw, Rey Mysterio and Dominic to Raw, Austin Theory to Raw. That is the draft picks and the Smackdown review for Friday the 1st of October 2021. Now we turn to AEW's Rampage for Friday the 1st of October 2021. This week's episode of Rampage had three big matches on the card, including one that had serious consequences for the loser. After Kenny Omega refused to give him a rematch, Daniel Bryan challenged any member of the elite to step up and face him. Nick Jackson was the one to answer the call. Now remember, Nick Jackson 
is one member of the middle-aged Bucks. The second match, the women's division had its three of its most dangerous competitors in the same ring when Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill competed in a triple threat, no disqualification match. So say it with me, lazy booking. However, the state, the stakes were low in these bouts compared to the hair versus hair match between Jack Elvin. Evans of the Hardy family office and Iron Cassidy of the best friends. Let's take a look at everything that happened on the Friday night show for October 1st, 2021. Rampage usually starts with its biggest match and this week it was supposed to be no different with Daniel Brian and Nick Jackson of the Middle-Aged Bucks kicking things off. Matt Jackson and Brandon Cutlett were there to provide backup. Even though Daniel, even though Brian was solo. They locked up and traded tackles before Nick used his flips, tricks and dance routine to annoy the American Dragon. Brian, as he used some of his cold spray, Brian laid him out with a suicide dive. He put Nick in a surfboard submission and pulled his neck back into a dragon sleeper. They continued to trade control back and forth, but Danielson soon established his dominance by grounding the former tag team champion in several submissions. Yep, that's right. Not even Daniel Bryan was able to get this fucking moron into a good match. Because all he was interested in doing was his flips, tricks and dance routine. And no selling. Matt took some cheap shots at Bryan while the ref was distracted. Guess which ref it was? Eric not their favourite referee. (sighs) After a commercial break, Nick was still in the driver's seat. Danielson became angry and unloaded on Nick with a variety of chops and kicks and knees. Of course, we had to have more flips, tricks and dance routines. Nick avoided a kick on the apron. Danielson's leg hit the ring post. But no, but no one hit a German suplex on the apron. To the floor, Cutlet. Um, Cutlet tried to distract Brian, but Brian just ignored him as he should have done. Followed by an Escalera from the top rope to the floor. Cutlet ate a boot from Nick when the American Dragon avoided the impact. Brian locked in a cattle mutilator for the submission win. 7 out of 10. Let me tell you, in this match, not even the great Daniel Bryan 
could make this match any better. The problem with both middle-aged bucks is all they know how to do is flips, tricks and dance routines and have no interest in having a good match. So not even the legendary Daniel Bryan can drag a decent match out of him. Sorry Bryan, but... Yeah. It, it ended up... Do you know what? I'll be nice. This match was a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10, that's it. That's the that's the grade. I'm going to stick him with it. The second match of the night was the triple threat match with Thunder Rose, Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Now remember, this is a no disqualification match. So say it with me. Lazy booking. The former NWA women's champion Thunder Rosa hit the first few strikes to both opponents but the native beast Nyla Rose caught her in a crossbody and dropped her with a slam. Cargill broke up a pin and had a verbal exchange with Thunder Rosa before they started exchanging blows. Cargill hit a kick to the face and clotheslined Nyla Rose out of the ring. Rosa came flying off the top rope with a drop kick as the show went to another break. We returned to see a trash can in the ring and a table set up at ringside. Thunder Rosa put the can on top of Cargill and drop kicked her and drop kicked it into her body. Rosa barely made it back to the ring to break up the pin count. Rose, sorry. Nyla Rose picked up Thunder Rosa and put her on the turnbuckle near the table. Rosa slipped out and powerbombed Nyla Rose through the table. Jade Cargill ended up getting the win after hitting Thunder Rosa with several chair shots. Three out of ten. The Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans match. Using the impact rule, they didn't take it seriously, neither am I. Orange Cassidy won, Jack got his hair shaved, minus 5 out of 10. And that was AEW. Dynam uh, AEW. <coughs> Sorry, that was AEW. Rampage for Friday the 1st of October 2021 Be who you are because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind Now we turn to Monday Night Raw's offering Raw opened up with SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch making her way to the ring to what seemed like a positive reaction from the crowd. She said she does what she wants when she wants and decided to spoil the fun for Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville by announcing herself as the first draft to Raw. She was soon joined by Raw's champion Charlotte. She talked a little trash before Bianca made her way to the ring. Deville 
and Pierce came out a few minutes later to book Blair versus Charlotte for tonight. Oi, 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 oi. Let me tell you. I am fed up with Bianca Belair. We know she is a college-educated and university-educated woman, but yet, for some reason, WWE make her sound like a stereotypical ghetto girl. Oh no, girl, you didn't, and best not be talking my name. Get your name out. Get my name out your mouth. And oh no, girl. Why? Why is that needed? Also, that stupid hair that she's got needs to be cut. That segment, 2 out of 10. Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville also announced a title match that will kick off the action between Jeff Hardy and Damian Priest, which started after the first commercial break. They locked up and Priest hit a shoulder tackle for the first takedown. Jeff Hardy was knocked out of the ring... And Danian Priest hit a senton from the stairs to keep the pressure up. We return from another break to see Hardy hit Whisper in the wind for a two count. He took Priest down for the twist of fate and climbed on the top rope for a swanton. Priest rolled him over and stole the win with a crucifix pin. Hardy was given a post-match interview when Austin Theory interrupted him and asked if he could take a selfie with him. They took the picture and then Theory destroyed Hardy with a clothesline and a knee to the face. And that match get... That first match, Jeff Hardy versus Damian Priest, gets a 5 out of 10. The aftermath with Austin Theory and Hardy gets a... 3 out of 10. The next match was Dana Brooke making the mistake of accepting a match with Sonia Baszler. This week after watching her take out... This is after watching her take out two women in recent weeks with brutal attacks to their arms. Before it took place, Brooks posed... Similar to a Brock Lesnar pose where she jumps up and down in the ring. The bell rang and Brooke managed to corner Baszler to deliver several strikes. The Queen of Spades recovered and took control. She tried an arm stomped, but Brooke avoided it. She ended up putting Brooke in the Cafeda clutch for the win. After the match, Baszler kept attacking Brooke. Dundrop came out to make the save. This segment gets a 5 out of 10. Next, we have a rematch from, I think it was two weeks ago, Masoor and Mustafa Ali versus Angel Garza, Angel Garza and Alberto, however the fuck you pronounce this. I think it's Correo, but I'm not, don't quote me on that. Masood. And Umberto started the match with flipped tricks and dance routines. After that, and after an exchange of takedowns, 
encounters. Once Masood was able to break away, he made the tag to Mustafa Ali. As Ali somersaulted into the ring, Garza took him down with a stiff right hand. Masood tried to help but ended up being taken out. By Umberto at ringside while the ref had his back turned, Umberto slammed Ali's head into the ring post so Garza could get the pin. 6 out of 10. Next match, Big E and Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Before that, however, the mid-card talent that currently holds the World Heavyweight title, Big E, danced and did that New Day crap to the ring. Oi, oi, oi. He said he was upset that the New Day had been broken up again because even the senile, w- the senile owner of WWE, Vince McMahon, knows the New Day is shit and needs to be broken up. I'm surprised he didn't send Woods and Kofi to NXT. That would have been good. However... Big E invited Drew McIntyre to come out and speak his mind. The Scottish warrior said he's proud of Big E for defeating Bobby Lashley and that Bobby Lashley can't complain about being cashed in on as Big E as Bobby Lashley cashed in his money in the bank on an injured Drew McIntyre. The Scottish warrior Drew McIntyre cut more of a crappy promo before he challenged Big E for the title. They were interrupted by Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. The show-off took credit for Big E's career because he brought him to the main roster as his bodyguard in 2013. Ziggler also taunted his former success with tag team partner Drew McIntyre as the reason for the Scottish Warriors' accomplishments. Then we just had some New Day bullshit before the match started. So, during the, during the break, the match was set up. Robert Roods and Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre and Big E. We come. Big E took control right away of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode tagged in and ran an elbow on Big E. Roode soon had the upper hand for a few moments, but McIntyre dominated as soon as he was tagged into the match. After another commercial break, Big E was the one to get the hot tag. He survived the zigzag by Dolph Ziggler, thanks to Drew McIntyre. The Scottish warrior tagged himself in, hit a claymore for the win. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. After the match, there was a weird afterbirth where Drew McIntyre was handed the world title by the referee as he was closer. And he slowly gave it to Big E and Big E said, if you want it that bad, then you can have it. B 
Big E accepted Drew McIntyre's challenge for Crown Jewel. The problem with this is they are both they are both two baby faces. Two baby faces facing each other for the world title. Always meh. As Drew McIntyre is going to SmackDown anyway. Thanks to the draft. And you know Big E is going to win and they are only doing this to try and legitimise the mid-card talent that is currently holding the World Heavyweight title. Next, it was the Dominatrix taking her little cousin trick-or-treating, a.k.a. Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash defending their titles versus Natalia and Tamina for the women's tag team titles. And I say this again, Rhea Ripley, she is her ring outfit, is all leather and a dominatrix outfit. Nikki Ash is dressed up as a superhero, so it looks like a dominatrix taking her cousin trick-or-treating. Natalia kicked Nikki in the ribs and ran her from corner to corner to give herself an early advantage. The almost superhero tried to make a comeback until Tamina took her down. With a big boot to the face. Ripley tagged in after a bit. And went on a rampage. Against the Queen of Hearts. She hit Tamina with the Riptide. Before Nia. Before Nikki. Got on her shoulders for a splash. To get the win. 9 out of 10. The post match. I do have to say made me laugh. Nikki and. Ripley have started to mesh into a real tag team recently. Their post-match promo made it look like Ripley was trying to get, was trying hard not to laugh at Nikki's antics. I do have to say part of the problem we've seen this match several times in recent weeks. WWE has been better about not booking as many rematches lately, so it's surprising to see Natalia and Tamina get another shot at the belts. I know both Natalia and Tamina are both amazingly talented, and WWE are pushing them at the moment. But Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash beating them again and again and again does nothing for Natalia or Tamina or for. Nikki or Ripley. Next, Goldberg and Lashley, Bobby Lashley, make it official. For weeks, there has been speculation that Goldberg will fight Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel. If you all remember, when I did, I believe it was the SummerSlam review, I said that these two were going to meet another time one-on-one. And yep, it has been confirmed on this night, on tonight's episode of Raw. Raw for the 4th of October 2021. As Goldberg made his way to the ring. And talked about how Lashley choked his son Gage out. It took the almighty less than a minute to join him on the stage. Lashley agreed to have a match under one condition. It would be held under no holds barred. Goldberg thanked him and said that stimulation, that stipulation, 
gives him a license to kill. Cedric, Alexandra and Shelton Benjamin tried to attack Goldberg from behind, but he took them out easily. 6 out of 10. Next, it was The New Day versus The Hurt Business. They're not going to take it seriously, neither am I. I'm invoking the impact rule on this match. This match is a minus 10 out of 10. The main event of the evening, the match between Belair and Charlotte that was booked during the opening segment of the show. This marks only their second singles match after their first meeting in NXT back in February of last year. Unlike in February of last year, Lynch joined the commentary table to watch the action close up. They started with a complicated exchange that ended with Charlotte standing and the EST down in the corner. Charlotte took a second to talk trash before Belair recovered and taunted her from the middle ropes. She backflipped over Charlotte and took her off her feet. The Royal Women's Champion dropped Belair on the apron and sent her flying to the timekeeper's area. As the show cut to a commercial break, we returned to see the EST hit a delayed vertical vertical suplex for a near fall. Flair made a comeback and hit an impressive slam for a two count. Again, the entire time, whenever Belair was in control, she would scream at Charlotte. Oh no, you didn't. You taking me too lightly, girl. You should have been taking me more seriously. Oh yeah, girl, get what you deserve, girl. Remember this, girl. What the fuck? There was no need for that at all. No, no, no need for that at all. Anyway, Flair made a comeback and hit an impressive slam for a close two count. She then came close to winning again after cutting Belair in half with a huge spear. She hit Andre's moonsault before Belair hit the kiss of death. Lynch pulled her out of the ring to cause a GQ and sent her into the ring. Steps before Sasha Banks came out from the crowd to attack both women. 9 out of 10. While a DQ finish is not ideal, I do have to say, thanks to Charlotte, Belair had the best match of the night. There were a couple of sloppy moments whenever Belair was in control, but they recovered from them nicely when Charlotte took over. Having Belair come close to winning only to have Lynch interfere is supposed to protect Belair, but having her get beaten down after the match negated that a lot. See, Belair is just... She does nothing but annoy me with that typical Oh no, you didn't, girl! attitude. And that stupidly long hair that needs to be cut is fucking ridiculous. Overall, this week's show was forgettable. Most of the matches were lacklustre. Some people would complain they were even too short. The only surprising thing was a couple of the draft picks. 
but I will do that separately. The draft effects don't take over until after Crown Jewels, so we may see many people pulling double duty on both shows for the next few weeks. That ends the Raw Review for the 4th of October 2021. Now the WWE draft has been complete, we will do a complete draft. Results. Smackdown have got Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, Happy Corbin and Mad Moss, Hit Row from NXT, Naomi and Jeff Hardy, Alea, Tony Storm, Drew Gulick, Mace, Mustafa Ali, and Mansoor. The Usos, Sasha Banks, King Nakamura, and Rick Boggs, Seamus, Shayna Baszler, Xavier Lee, I don't know how to pronounce this woman's name, X-I-A Lee, the Viking Raiders, Ricochet, Alberto and Angel Garcia, Cesaro, Cesaro, Ridge Holland, and El Generico himself, Sami Zayn. For Monday Night Raw, Big E, Belair, RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Riddle, Edge, Rhea Ripley, and Nikki Ash, Keith Lee, Dominic and Rey Mysterio, Austin Theory, Nia Jax, Drew, Maverick, Reggie, Zena Vegler, Akara, Tozawa, Alpha Academy, R-Truth, John Morrison, Dundrop, T-Bar, Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz, Becky Lynch, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Danian Priest, AJ Styles and Omos, Kevin Owens, The Street Profits, Finn Balor, Kyrian Cross, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Gable Stevens. That is the 2021 draft. AEW Dynamite opens up strong this week, with Jim Ross announcing that it is AEW's anniversary and welcoming the fans and thanking them for being so loyal to AEW. However, the first match is an eight-man tag team match, so that's four men on each side. 20-minute time limit. The competitors for the babyfaces are the Impact Champion Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Daniel Bryan. Versus Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, the Middle-Aged Bucks, I should say, and Kenny, the piece of shit Omega. Brandon Cutlet is at ringside, and I'm pretty sure Marco Cunt is at ringside. However, I can't see him from this vantage point. He must be standing behind a cameraman. <laughs> Tony Schiavone then says hello and greets everybody. As annoyingly, Marco Cunt comes out from the cameraman 
he's been hiding behind and you can see him in glasses which we've never seen him wear before and some stupidly obnoxious you can't help but look at me when I'm on screen luminescent green t-shirt then it gets ruined by Excalibur it's nice to be educated that Dynamite is two years old today the first show was in Washington DC and so is this show but it could have been Tony Schiavone or JR that said it or CM Punk by saying um, sorry it took me two years to get here but I am on the two year anniversary show of Dynamite but no Cuntface had to say it stupid prick that wears a mask Excalibur Jungle Boy and Nick Jackson start this match flips, tricks and dance routines of course they have the useless referee that looks like a corpse Rick Knox Nick tags in to Adam Cole and we have a serious match for a couple of minutes. Jungle Boy does some flips and tricks before he tags into Christian Cage. Great, with Christian Cage and Adam Cole in, you know you're going to get a serious match. At least while they're both in the ring. I spoke too soon. After a couple of shots... And a technical grapple, which was great old school wrestling. He tags Jungle Boy back in to do more flips, tricks and dance routines. I guess Christian Cage doesn't want to get any of this match on him. Jungle Boy then tags Christian back in. I guess he wants to force Christian to get some of this match on him. Great technical wrestling. Back and forth between Christian Cage and Adam Cole. And I guess this was looking too much like a wrestling match for that piece of shit Matt Jackson. Because he had to come in for no reason. For no, re no reason. And start trying his bullshit. Christian grabbed him by the hair. And Jungle Boy jumped in. And did a baseball slide but hit him in the face at Christian Cage's request. I mean, for fuck's sake, these middle-aged bucks piss me off. And what's the corpse referee doing about it? Nothing. You know what, I think that's what we'll call the young bucks' favourite referee from now on. The corpse, or the corpse referee. Christian Cage then... Tags Jungle Boy back in with a furious look on his face. Before flips, tricks and dance routines. Takes over with Jungle with Jungle Boy doing them. Great. Absolutely great. For some reason Marco Cunt then starts to argue with the corpse referee. And the middle-aged bucks decide to interfere from ringside. Boring. Adam Cole tags in the piece of shit known as Olivier. 
And now it's Olivier's turn to do some flips and tricks. And finger pointing and chest accolating and pressy prancing around the ring. The crowd then start chanting Kenny Nobles. Before he gets fed up and decides it is time to tag in Nick Jackson. So they can both do flips, tricks and dance routines together, Jungle Boy and Old Nicky Boy. Nick tags in Matt Jackson, so both middle-aged bucks are in the ring. Jungle Boy grabs both of their hands before running up the rope and jumping down. Honestly, if he'd have grabbed them by the head, it would have looked like he was doing a TDT, but he did not. Jungle Boy then hits an arm drag before he tags in to Daniel Bryan, holding and dragging that piece of shit, Matt. Middle-aged Buck Jackson while he does it. Brian Danielson does a series of kick strikes to Matt's chest. Then does a series of strikes and technical grapples. Perfectly done. Great match. Forcing that piece of shit Matt to sell. Before he then tags in to Luchasaurus. So Luchasaurus is now tagged into the match. Now I'm not a fan of this, but all of the baby faces rush the heels, the heels corner, knocking them down before attacking Matt Jackson in the corner. Christian Cage did a run and dive, then left the ring. Daniel Bryan and then did a a running punch to the face. Jungle Boy did a running faced strike before Luchasaurus ran over, did a splash in the corner. Jungle Boy was some some way tagged in, I think. After re-watching it twice, I can't see where he was tagged in, but okay. Going for a pinfall before all of the heels jumped in. And that idiot Luchasaurus just stood there and did nothing. Jungle Boy jumped over the top rope to hit a Meteora. And Brandon Cutlip and Matt Jackson just moved out of the way. Good, it's about time people started crashing and burning on those moves. Christian Cage then hits Matt Buck in the corner, Matt Jackson of the middle-aged Bucks in the corner and starts actually hitting him because he refuses to sell before knock a knock a knock it the fuck off and get off my television decides he's going to come down and hit Christian Cage in the back with one of those showing my age here a CD case from the early 90s Christian Cage then turns round and punches Nakamura, knock a knock a knock it the fuck off and get off my television. Before, and he falls to the floor. Then Cutlet comes over and hits him in the face with that stupid can. Before Matt, the piece of shit Jackson, 
hits him with, say it with me, one, two, three, a super kick. Don't these fucking idiots know any other move? He then grabs Christian Cage, setting up for the middle-aged Bucks to do a Meltzer driver on the outside. Which, for those of you that actually watch WWE and know what The Undertaker's move is, it's a tombstone where Nick Jackson jumps off the ropes and pushes Christian down. So he hits normally the ring mat, but this time the floor. It's supposed to be guarded by the opponent so they protect you, but these piece of shit middle-aged bucks don't do that. Marco Cunt then sees Jungle Boy staggering in out of range and not to be outdone, runs over to Christian and starts fake slapping him on the back to ask him, Are you okay? Are you okay, dude? Are you okay? Do you need me to get you a medic? Are you okay? Are you okay? Do you need to go to a medical facility? Are you okay? Are you okay? It's not a medical facility, you twat. It is a hospital. God, Marco, cunt annoys me. Then guess what happens? The middle-aged bucks superkick Jungle Boy before throwing him into the ring. Kenny Olivier comes over and starts prissy prancing, finger-pointing and chest-aculating, while Dr. Samson... Allegedly a doctor, a former referee in WWE, comes over while the corpse referee, first outside of the ring, then jumps back into the ring and starts to do a count to count Jungle Boy and whoever the legal man is for the heels, because this is chaos, out. Because guess what happens when you have more than just a standard tag team? It breaks down to shit and you can't pay attention to the action in the ring. Let alone when you have this corpse referee that does fuck all in. The only thing I'm going to... Praise Matt of the middle-aged bucks for... Is he super kicked Marco Cunt in the face. Then when they went to a commercial break... He came back over and super kicked him in the face again before hitting a curb stomp on Marco Cunt. However, as Marco Cunt didn't know this was coming, he couldn't set up for a block. So Matt just jumped on the back of Marco Cunt's head and he bounced off the ground. I'm guessing the Jacksons are pissed off with Marco Cunt and his bullshit. I mean, that's one way to get the little turd off of television. You know, been saying this for a while now. Marco Cunt and his brother, both accused of sexual misconduct. Both accused. After all, you know. I don't know what's going through Tony Khan's mind when both of these little pricks 
Marco Cunt and his little brother. I say little brother, they both look exactly the same. Have multiple cases of open sexual harassment. Of misconduct with the opposite sex. Cases open. You know, for some reason he's still on television. Not only that, Marco Cunt was in a match about six months ago where he swallowed a dildo in the ring and then was whipped with a fetish whip while his opponent wore a gimp mask and a maid outfit. You know, if you're going to if you're going to be on national television, take yourself seriously. But no. Marco Cunt decided it was a good idea to be in this match. While there are multiple cases of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct against him. And yet for some reason Tony Khan still has this little cunt on television. So yeah, I'm guessing the Young Bucks. Yes, I'll call them the Young Bucks for this bit. We're sick of the little cunt and the negativity that comes with him. So I guess they decided to take him out. Good. We come back from the commercial break and Matt Jackson and Jungle Boy are in both in the ring. And we have been told by Tony Schiavone that Christian Cage will be taken to the back and evaluated by Doc Samson and his team. More flips, tricks and dance routines. And Kenny, the piece of shit, Olivier is tagged in. Omega, after doing his flips and tricks, then tags in to Nick Jackson so they can do flips and tricks. Then Nick tags in Matt so the middle-aged bucks can do flips and tricks. Jungle Boy then counters one of their tricks into a DDT. Before he tags in Daniel Bryan. The Bucks both get to Kenny Olivier and they both tag him in. I guess they forgot which one was legal and the corpse referee allowed this. We have a firefight breaking out in the centre of the ring between Daniel Bryan and Kenny Olivier. Trading punches back and forth. Great technical wrestling. After a quick back and forth, Daniel takes down Kenny Olivier with a running clothesline. Perfect. Kenny Olivier then goes to the corner and Daniel runs and does his jump where he lands his legs just below the neckline. On the upper chest of Kenny Olivier. Before Daniel starts what was in WWE called the Yes Kicks. And in order to get around the WWE and their legal issues about Daniel Bryan and his Yes Kicks. The crowd shout Yes 
So therefore, nobody on AEW commentary or on AEW themselves have violated WWE's intellectual property by saying yes kicks. The crowd do it. Daniel then hits Olivier with a hurricane runner from the top rope, which, to be honest, I think is a bit much. We've already had a lot of flip tricks, dance routines and high-flying moves. However, as it's been done by Daniel Bryan, it looks great. Daniel then hits the flying headbutt on Kenny Olivier, going for a three count. How far will he get? Both the middle-aged bucks interfere at the count of two. The middle-aged bucks try and take out Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus clears the ring of both the middle-aged bucks before Adam Cole then does a knee strike taking out Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy then comes in and starts hitting Adam Cole with what is called, I don't believe I'm saying this, a lower thrust lady kick. Now, why don't you just call it a lower thrust kick? Why do you call it a lower lady thrust kick? That sounds a bit sexist to me, Excalibur. I know we're at a commercial break, but that's no need for that. Kenny then hits Jungle Boy with a Snapdragon suplex, and it looks awful. Daniel reverses and hits Olivier with a Dragon suplex into a pinning combination. Omega kicks out at two. As Danielson, Brian Danielson, Brian Dan, Daniel Bryan. Same man. However, as I'm used to Daniel Bryan, that's what I'm going to call him. Goes for the cattle mutilation. You can see the bucks just coming into screen, getting ready to break it up. And behold, Nick Jackson jumps and hits a swan tarm bomb. On Daniel Bryan. For some reason Excalibur says he hit a swanny. Which that's not what the move is called at all. When we come back from the break. As Bryan tags in Luchasaurus. The middle aged bucks and Adam Cole are in the ring. I'm not sure who's legal. With Adam Cole in one corner, the middle-aged Bucks in two other corners, and Kenny Olivier in another corner. Luchasaurus then sets up for his running dive, and the corpse referee stands there looking useless. Adam Cole leaps from the ropes, Luchasaurus catches him, setting him up for a clothesline as Olivier decides to run over. Luchasaurus hits a crappy looking DDT on Omega while he choke slams Adam Cole, while the middle aged bucks just sit there looking in the corner. 
We are 22 minutes into this abomination of a match. And yes, there have been some good bits, but so far, mostly negative. Luchasaurus then does flip tricks and dance routines of his own with the middle-aged Bucks and Kenny Olivier and Adam Cole before Nick Jackson of the middle-aged Bucks decides he's going to do a running jump over the top rope and kick Luchasaurus in the face. Jungle Boy then runs and does a spear through the ropes, spearing Nick to the floor. Matt Jackson then hits him with a running drop kick before Daniel Bryan then does a running dive. Excalibur calls it a running diving suicida, which is not what it's called. Daniel Bryan goes to get in the ring before Kenny piece of shit Olivier knocks him back down Olivier then runs the ropes twice before he jumps over the top rope taking down three of the baby faces and two of his partners aka the middle-aged bucks you get in a sense of flips tricks and dance routines in this match right say it with me lazy booking Flips, tricks and dance routines all over this match. You'd think with the amount of good talent in this match. Adam Cole. Daniel Bryan. Christian Cage. Before he was wheeled out of the match. You would have had a great match. These guys would have led it. But no, it's flips, tricks and dance routines with Wrestling matches breaking out despite of the dance routines and the flips and tricks. Luchasaurus does a choke slam and then a flip on Adam Cole, goes for a pin but gets a two count. 24 minutes into this match, and I would have to guesstimate we've had four minutes of traditional wrestling and good wrestling and 20 minutes. Of bullshit and flips, tricks, and dance routines. I don't get this crowd. They're used to seeing good things like Daniel Bryan, Christian Cage, CM Punk, <laughs> Taz, and yet they're cheering. This is awesome in a match that's had four minutes of traditional wrestling. And 20 minutes of flip tricks and dance routines. This is not awesome. This is awful. While the referee's backs while the referee's back is turned, you know, the corpse referee has decided he's going to do some refereeing and kick Jungle Boy out. As him and Luchasaurus were both in the ring at the same time, Adam Cole hits Luchasaurus with a low blow. The corpse referee decides he's finished refereeing as Adam Cole, Nick Jackson and Kenny Olivier are in the ring at the same time. Matt Jackson 
then enters the ring two. They set up for a power bomb, but botch it big time. I mean, big time. Adam Cole holds up Luchasaurus and the middle-aged Bucks just let go and Olivier just crumbles and tries to look like he's landed the powerbomb. Wow. And even Excalibur, who praises even when the young Bucks and Olivier fuck up. He praises them, turned round and said, Wow, guys, that, that was mistimed. I'm sure Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone would have slaughtered them if Excalibur hadn't said something. Now, all four of the heels decide they're going to attack Jungle Boy. And the corpse referee is going to do nothing. While the idiot that wasn't actually powerbombed. Luchasaurus decides he's going to lay there and sell. Why? Nobody sold for him. Olivier rakes Jungle Boy's eyes. The middle-aged bucks super kick him. Omega hits the snap dragon suplex. Before Matt Jackson sets up. Jungle Boy holding him up while Adam Cole hits the Panama Sunrise. Just when I had hoped this match was over. Daniel Bryan interrupts the count. Come on. 27 minutes into this shitty match that will never end. Now... Daniel Bryan is taking it in turns to hit all of the heels in the ring while it is Jungle Boy's turn to sell. Again, why? Jungle Boy, you haven't been selling for 90% of this match and it's not like anybody in this match has sold for you. And again, the corpse referee does nothing. 28 minutes into the match, 4 minutes of actual wrestling, 24 minutes of outlaw bullshit. Flips, tricks and dance routines. Brian then does the yes kicks to Kenny Omega again. He goes for the final one and Omega grabs him. Before the Young Bucks and Adam Cole do super kicks. Brian rolls out of the ring before all four heels hit Jungle Boy with a four-way B-T-E trigger. JR then turns around and says, all four of them in the ring. I wonder how that happens and how that's legal. Sarcastic as ever, but yes, great point, JR. Would you like the answer? Because the corpse referee is useless. Adam Cole covers Jungle Boy for the three count and the heels win the match. A 30 minute match. 
27 minutes and 30 seconds of a traditional match. I know because I counted. And the rest of this 30 minute match was just bullshit. Four minutes and 32 seconds of a traditional match and good wrestling. That means there was over 20. Shit, I lost count. It's late. There was over 20. Twenty-six minutes of bullshit wrestling, flips, tricks, and dance routines for four minutes and thirty-two seconds of good wrestling. This match gets a negative fifteen out of ten. Too crowded, too much flips, tricks, and dance routines. Not enough selling from any of the heels. No wonder Christian wanted to get out of this match as soon as possible so he didn't get any of this on him. Unfortunately, Daniel Bryan's got the stink of this match on him. And so does Adam Cole. Way to lower two of the best people that have come into your company recently. I bet CM Punk refused to have anything to do with this shit and I don't blame him. Christian Cage should have as well. Thank God there wasn't an afterbirth to this shit match. Next we go to John Moxley cutting a promo. Allow me, if you would, to summarise the John Moxley promo. I don't have patience for bullshit. I don't have patience for bullshit people. Nobody's been able to pin me in the ring. Since Kenny Omega did his bullshit in order to screw me out the title. Now I've got to be in this shitty ladder match. In the main event in order to get a title shot in the future. My three month old at home cries a lot. It's keeping me up at night so I have even less patience than. Than no patience I had before. So let's get this shit over with. Even throughout a shout out to. Philadelphia saying I'm no stranger to ladder getting weird and getting extreme so why not that got a crowd reaction 7 out of 10 solid palate cleanser after that bullshit of a match that I had to watch at first then then Cult of personality hit. You know what that means? It's CM Punk time. Oh. And it means we'll finally have a good segment. Finally. Greatness. The crowd go apeshit. For the music of the cult of personality. For the CM Punk. The crowd are singing away with cult of personality. They are standing on their feet. CM Punk walks around the stage. CM Punk walks around the stage. He walks over and he shakes 
Hands and Bowels at Tony Schiavone and at Jim Ross before swearing at Excalibur. See, my mood has improved greatly. CM Punk then leaps into the crowd, shaking hands, and the crowd absolutely love it. They're carrying CM Punk like he is a conquering hero, like he is the saviour that they have been promised. And let me tell you, he is at this point. Oh, so while CM Punk is walking around the ring, shaking hands, an advertisement pops up in the corner for buy tickets as tickets are on sale now, starting at 30 bucks for the Target Center, Friday, November 12th. They advertise such names as CM Punk. Daniel Bryan, Britt Baker, and TNT champion Miro. Now, Miro lost the TNT title last week on Rampage. He lost it on Friday the 1st of October. Does that mean Miro is going to win the title back? If so, I'm guessing... It's before Friday, November 12th. But, ooh, that's, that's something. Now they've either put up an old bracket or Miro's winning that title back very soon. Anyway, let's continue with CM Punk, who is now up on the ring apron. The crowd continue chanting CM Punk as he runs around the ring, getting on the ropes, posing for photos. He is then handed a microphone. He brings the microphone to his lips and the crowd stop chanting. He then asks them, so who's tired of this yet? The entire arena then shout, no. CM Punk says he turns up every week expecting the crowd to be tired of him but he's going to keep this love fest going as long as possible as he loves this he loves aw he loves being back in real pro wrestling well maybe any match punks in would be real wrestling but after that disaster we saw of a first match boy cm punk says he wrestles on a wednesday and a friday but the rest of the week, when he is not spending time with his busy wife, he is working in wrestling schools, giving back to the young performers. Not because he's been forced to, not because he's being paid to, but because he loves this business. Which we have seen a lot of on the Twitter. AEW stars and training stars and shit like that. Thanking the punk man for turning up. <laughs> but yeah, so. He then says, when he was in another place, he lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years. And he loves Philadelphia like he loves Chicago. Which gets 
a great reaction from the Philadelphia faithful. He then says, look at my Jordans. I'm not used to wearing Jordans as I come from humble humble beginnings in Chicago and then moving to Philadelphia when I was broke and just trying to make it in the business and struggling to afford training schools. He loves Philadelphia because Philadelphia has given him so much. He then says he is he feels spiritually rich because he is immersed back into the AEW community, back into the wrestling community, back with the wrestling fans. Yes, he has monetary money in which he used to buy Jordans, an iPod and an iPad, but it's the spiritual that matters to him, which is why he is not in the other place and which is why he is here. The crowd then chant CM Punk. He then says he wants to give back to the city of Philadelphia and outside of buying all the animals in the AEW stadium, cheese steak and cheese cake. He says they can have their pick. He will either wrestle or they can have a cheesecake or a cheese steak to which he will buy. The crowd then chant, wrestle, no stake, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. A then chant breaks out as they go to commercial break. Only a quick one, but the chant breaks out. It's been too long since we've seen you wrestle. They come back from their quick break and CM Punk says it sounds like the eyes have it you can buy yourself your cheesecake and your cheese steak i'm here to wrestle the crowd then give a thunderous roar cm punk then calls out daniel garcia for a fight on a rampage live in the philadelphia and says let's go And the crowd lose their shit. Jim Ross then says, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The best in the world will compete at Rampage. On Friday the 8th of October 2021. Punk then takes his shoes off and gives them to some Orange Cassidy looking kid dressed up in the corner. Next, we see a video segment of Arn Anderson outside Cody's home, burning Cody's suits. Cody comes out and says, what are you doing? Arn says, oh, you decided to realize that I was here, superstar. Arn Anderson then explains, you can have all the TV shows you want. You can have the multi-million dollar mansion. You can have all the suits you want. And when you're winning, people are up there with you. Sometimes. When you're not, you're not. He then instructs Cody to give him his tie. Cody then states, this is a silk tie. It's pink, it doesn't matter. 
it's going to be burnt, accept it. In the point, in the service of whatever point, Arn Anderson is trying to make while burning tires. He says, if you want to act like a fool, paint a star on your face and everything will be cool. Cody then looks visibly annoyed. Arn goes to throw the tie on the fire. Cody says, you don't need to do that. I get the point. Arn then slaps him around the face. Arn Anderson then says, you don't get it. You threw all of us away. Damn it. Before Cody throws the tie in the fire. Video package ends. Well, that was weird and stupid. And it has taken me this long to come up with a grade for the greatness that was the CM Punk promo. The the masterclass in promo. I'm going to give that a hundred out of ten. Because I loved that promo. Just perfect. The Arn Anderson weirdness with Cody, 7 out of 10. We then see a truly impressive video package about Bobby Fish, who was in the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole in NXT before being let go. He is challenging Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. 8 out of 10 for that video package. After Sammy and Guevara had come out to the ring and had a brief stare down, Fish hit a flurry of good traditional wrestling strikes against Sammy but missed the big roundhouse kick at the end. The Spanish god showed his agility with some leapfrogs and some flips before hitting a drop kick. Fish regained the upper hand with a stiff elbow. And just, oh, so far, great match. Absolutely great back and forth between these two. Just, I can't say enough about the good technical wrestling between them. We return from a commercial break to see Guevara trying to make a comeback before Fish hit a back suplex to score a two count. The champion hit a Spanish fly out of nowhere to give himself a little breathing room. He climbed to the top rope, but Fish kicked his legs out from underneath him. He hit a falcon arrow from the top rope, but Guevara kicked out at two. The TNT champion was able to make a comeback and scored the win with his finisher. Nine out of ten. Great technical wrestling. Great back and forth. Just, oh, perfect. Fish has been known for his striking and grappling ability for a long time, so he brought the brutally high-flying Guevara, bought the high-flying offense. This was a solid match with some great moments for both men, really showing off the strength of both men. We don't know if this is a one-off appearance or if Fish will do more in AEW, but if he is sticking around, he is off to a great start. 
Guevara looked especially crisp in this bout. He made some difficult moves look smooth and was able to have a solid mix of traditional grappling and high-flying match with Bobby Fish. This is what most matches should be. The only thing that let this match down was Excalibur shouting a lot about moves in what they would be called in New Japan rather than letting Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone speak as the prick was shouting over them. It's the only thing that stopped this match being a 10 out of 10. Next, Darby Allen versus Nick Camarato. Next, we have, well, I've already said, Darby Allen versus Nick Camarado. Darby Allen got the action started right away by hitting a high flying dive from the top rope. During his entrance, after his initial flurry, Nick Camarado overpowered him with a body slam. We returned from a commercial break, which seemed to take up 90% of this match to see Darby Allen hit a coffin drop almost immediately for the win. Cutie Marshall came in and hit Sting with a cutter, but Sting no-selled it, popped right back up and kicked Cutie Marshall in the groin. He spiked Marshall with a scorpion death drop. 7 out of 10. The show's starting to slip. Most of the match happened during a commercial break. Even with the stupid picture-and-picture feature, it still came across as weird-looking choice. Most people use the commercial breaks to go to the bathroom or to get a snack, not to watch part of a tiny screen. This is a bit weird. We did see... The bit we did see was okay, but it was too quick to do anything other than a quick crowd pop for Darby's finisher. Next, Ukaro Shita versus Serena Deeb. Before the next match could start, it was an afterbirth, but it made no sense because Excalibur was already introducing the divas on the on the divas sorry the women the women's match from the table from the commentator's table when Dan Lambert and his UFC fighters came to the ring and were attacking Dan Lambert and Pack circled the ring the men of the year appeared The men of the year and the UFC fighters then started to attack. The masked jobber that Miro keeps kicking the shit out of came down to the ring to try and help, but the UFC stars easily kicked the fuck out of him. Who didn't see that coming? Jericho and Hager then come running down to the ring, so, I'm guessing Jericho hasn't sucked all the heat off of 
Dan Lambert yet, so he wants to try and suck more heat off of him. Either that, or Dan Lambert is somehow a replacement Jim Cornette for Jericho. As after all, we know Chris Jericho hates Jim Cornette and Dan Lambert is just delivering Chris Jer is delivering Jim Cornette promos. Now I can understand Jake ha Jake Hager taking down some of the UFC stars because you know he is actually a mixed martial artist, but this bullshit about Jericho being able to do it—it's just bullshit. That's all it is. It is just utter bullshit. There is no way, if this was real, the two UFC stars that Jericho was beating up and knocking out of the ring, one of them would have just knocked his head off. Then the others would have gone and kicked the crap out of Jake Hager. I mean, for fuck's sake, can't Jericho find something else to do? Like, go on tour with his shitty rock bands. Don't get me wrong, they've done some good, Jericho's rock band Fozzy have done some good songs. But Jericho has just burned away all his goodwill by sucking all the heat off of anybody and all the popularity from anybody he is working against like a vampire drinking blood just let him fuck off on the road and then hopefully we won't have to deal with him for a while Dan Lambert then gets a microphone tells him to cut Jericho's shit music off and the crowd annoy Dan Lambert by singing Jericho's song anyway Dan Lambert says Tony Conman has kept Jericho on top in AEW by feeding into his ego and letting him do what he wants. Dan Lambert then takes a breath and says he has all the stroke he wants in these shitty arenas going around the world, but on October 15th, you'll be in Miami. Miami is run by American top team. Dan Lambert then says, when you come to our turf, when you come to our home why don't you you guys you jerk offs then the inner city jerk offs versus the men of the year and American top team in a six man match so that will be three on each side not only <coughs> Not only will Dan Lambert and his guys have the advantage being on home turf, with Dan Lambert being there, Dan says that Jorge will be in his corner as his bodyguard. Bloated go, then grabs a microphone and says, I didn't hear a damn thing what you said. Then proceeds to explain how he heard everything he said before Jericho's microphone then gets cut off. He then gets hold of another microphone. Bloated Co. then accepts the match and says he's going to kick the living crap out of Don Lambert's guys. Dan Lambert then takes a breath and says, 
We'll see you in Miami, and walks off slowly. Nine out of ten. I mean, it's a bit weird where the segment happened, but okay. Hopefully, before it airs in the UK, on Friday, they will have chopped and changed the show around so it makes sense. But watching it live from America land, this segment made no sense. It would have been much better if it had happened after the Sammy Guevara match. Rather than randomly having Sammy Guevara come out to the ring as the Bobby, as the Darby Allen and Nick Camarado match was ending. I mean, it literally made no sense of a segment. I hope, and I truly do hope, they cut it together. So it comes. And so it makes sense. I mean, cut that segment out. You can still have Sammy Guevara in the ring after the match. Then have Dan Lambert and his guys come down. Cut the bit where Dan Lambert and his guys kick the crap out of Darby Allen and Sting out. And then have Bloated Co and Jake Hager and the Mars Jobber come down. And that will make more sense. And it furthers the angle that they're clearly going with. Rather than it being out of order and making no sense. Oh, I'm almost forgetting. See, this is what happens. Dante is being interviewed in the ring by Tony Schiavone. See, I lost this page of notes, but I've just found it. He then runs his mouth, talking about how he's a problem to anybody and everybody, and he can take out anybody and everybody. The man is 5-1 and one in matches, and he's talking about how He's the biggest and baddest and how he's hung with Kenny Omega and how he can take out anybody. Fool. Start saying that shit when you're at 50 and 1 or at 101, not when you're at 5 and 1. Fool. Would you? Absolute fool with his stupidness. Absolute stupid, stupid, stupidness. Going on about how he's fucking five and one and how he's unbeaten. Dickhead. Come back when you're 50 and one or 101. Then start talking. Until then, shut up, fool. Oh. Just then, the lights, they go out. Malachi Black appears in the ring and Tony Schiavone appears to shit himself on national television while backing up. Malachi Black then spits his black mist in Dante's face before he kicks Dante right in the temple. Now, this wasn't a wrestling angle where he kicks him in the temple. This was an actual full-blown kick in the temple. 
the lights come back on and Dante is nowhere to be seen. Due to a switching camera angle, however, you can see he has been taken out on a stretcher. He then says to Dante, the House of Black accepts your request for a match. And I hope Malachi Black Kip kicks the living shit out of the prick. Getting that cocky and arrogant. Next, absolute Ricky Starks, the FTW champion, is in the ring. And for those that have been asking me on the official Twitter and on the official Instagram and on the official Snapchat, what the FTW title stands for. As well as me replying to you, I will tell you here, it stands for Fuck the World Championship. That's what the FTW Championship stands for. Now, if you remember, Absolute Ricky starts beat Brian Cage to win the FTW, the Fuck the World title, on the 14th of the 7th, 2021, on the Dynamite. Ricky Starks then cuts a masterclass promo where he states the history of the Fuck the World title and that it was designed, brought into life and held by Taz and he now holds it after beating Brian Cage because he has the same mindset as Taz. Ricky Stark says he wanted to be a fighting champion and he wanted to be do good by the people in Philadelphia and defend his title against Brian Cage but Brian Cage in typical fashion didn't show up to work. He says he was going to challenge him to a Philadelphia street fight but you know he's not here. But ooh the music of the Brian Cage then hits and Ricky looked like he shit himself. Like he shit himself but good. Brian Cage then runs down to the ring. Ricky Starks tries to hit him with the title, but he ducks, drops the title. Brian Cage then runs Ricky into the corner before he starts hitting him across the chest with those massive forearms. Before Hook, looking like an idiot in a tracksuit and Big Willa Hobbs, looking like an absolute superstar, pulls Ricky out of the ring and Ricky grabs the FTW title. Next, we are told about a new title, a TBS title. We are told it is a TBS women's title. And we go through all the women in the back staking claim to a title that has just been created because they want it and listing reasons why. So now we go back to the page of notes where I was at before. The women's match between Ukara, 
Shakida versus Shania Deeps. Shania Deeps. If Hukara Shita wins this match, she will be the first woman in AEW to win 50 matches. So they will give her a plaque. Hukara and Deeb made their entrances for the match. They started off with some basic arm drags and wrist locks. Great technical wrestling. They came to a stalemate. Shida offered her hand as a show of respect, but Deeb slapped it instead. Great heel versus babyface wrestling. The former AEW women's champion Hukara Shida cornered her for mouthed strikes before she hit a running knee on the apron. Deep prevented her from using a chair as a launch platform before the show suddenly cut to a break. Now there was it like I said, it came out of nowhere. The fact that Ukara she just set up a chair as a launch pad, which she has done in all of her matches, should instantly be a disqualification. Because she's bought in a foreign object being a chair. And in traditional wrestling, a foreign object was anything that was not a attached to the males or the female wrestlers or the referee in the match. So anything like a chair, a bottled water, a popcorn box, empty or not is classed as a foreign object because it's not attached to the competitors it's not a body part it should have been a disqualification but lazy booking and I'm not going to be a referee I'm not going to see this bit so she got away with it after we return from a commercial break we see Shida hit a front face lock spin before heading to the rope for a missile drop kick. After kicking out of a nice pinning attempt, Shida hit a crossbody from the middle rope. Deep hit a back chop and a swinging neck breaker for a two count. And I have to say, this is great back and forth wrestling, and I am absolutely loving it. Absolutely loving it. Ukara Shida came back with a falcon arrow for a near fall. This is only the fifth we've seen on this show, so why not? The former NWA women's champion raked Shakida's eyes and hit the Detroit detox for a two count. Serena Deeb then locked in the sensory lock for a submission victory I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10 Serena Deeb is considered one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet and for what reason Dean Malenko granted her the nickname the woman of a thousand holds she and Shida showed good chemistry during the match they had plenty of time to hit moves they wanted and made each other look good there was Good technical wrestling, good traditional wrestling, good submission wrestling, good high flying, wasn't too much. The most important thing was they didn't rush it. They worked steady 
and sold big moves for the appropriate amount of time. And from a technical standpoint, this match was the match of the night. The only reason it didn't get a 10 out of 10 is because the, the chair bullshit. After birth, Serena Deeb rolls out of the ring to pick up the trophy that Okara Shidida would have Okara would have got if she'd have actually won the match. Deep then hit Okara Shita with the glass trophy looking thing. As it didn't shatter on impact, it's made of plastic. Serena Deep then smashed it by bouncing it off of the ring itself and it broke. After birth didn't need to happen, but it was entertaining. 5 out of 10. Next, Officer Bar Brady decided to interview Darby Allen backstage. So you know Darby Allen is going to get jumped. Officer Bar Brady then says, MJF has challenged Darby Allen next week for a match. Does he accept? Darby Allen says, well, yeah, of course. He thought MJF would never ask. He pushes the microphone back into Officer Bar Brady's face. And for those of you who don't know what Officer Bar Brady looks like, Google it. Before a limousine pulls up, cutting Darby Allen off, Darby takes his jacket off and his vest top, dropping his skateboard, daring MJF to get out of the limo when he is jumped from behind, hit with a steel chair, and then his attacker in a mask grabs the camera as three other men in masks jump out one is obviously Wardlow as he is three times the size of the other three masked men Darby Allen's head is then ran into a stop sign Wardlow then F10s Darby Allen onto steel barricades and a stop sign MJF wearing a mask then suddenly gets out of the limo. He then gets on Darby's skateboard and then scoots over, skates over to Darby before trying to jam the skateboard into Darby Allen's throat. The announcers then complain that it's obviously the pinnacle under the hood MJF's faction that he put together obviously it should have been booked like this from day one you know guys in hoods then they're slowly revealed but Tony Khan and his bullshit booking did everything backwards oh great I had forgotten about that it had been an entire week Leo Rush who's been everywhere and retired from everywhere twice, including walking away from his commitments at AEW, has signed with AEW again. Now under some bullshit gimmick that he's a millionaire. Leo Rush then cuts some bullshit about he's a businessman and with his money he goes and he takes over businesses and he kicks former CEOs out and shit like that. Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit, boring angle, boring, 
Bye, Leo Rush. Fuck off. Zero out of ten. That last segment, by the way, with Officer Bar Brady, Darby Allen, The Pinnacle, and MJF. That gets a solid 10 out of 10. Next, we have the Casino Ladder match. Oi, oi, oi. This match had several participants and a lot of action, so the recap has been kept to the big moments. The outcome, to keep it at a reasonable length, Pack Cassidy started in the ring. They didn't have a chance to climb the ladder before. A.K.A. Andrade from WWE made his entrance as a third competitor. He hit Pack with a huge sunset flip from the ladder. Hardy was the fourth man to enter the match. He went right after Cassidy with a side effect. Lance, Lance Orchard. Archer, Lance Archer, getting tongue-tied, made his way to the ring during the commercial break. Next, Moxley was up and he met Archer in the crowd to get a fight started. The Joker was revealed to be Hangman Adam Page, who got a pop. He went for Moxley as soon as he hit the ring. He took out everyone by himself before Pack hit him with a chair. Hardy put Cassidy through a table with a leg drop from the ladder. After fighting off Moxley, Hangman grabbed the oversized poker chip to claim the win, setting up for Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Olivier for the AEW World title. Having this match begin with two competitors and add one every couple of minutes helped keeping it from getting out of hand too quickly. That has always been a problem with money in the bank matches. There is chaos from the moment the bell rings. There was some good technical wrestling in this match. However, with far too many people in it, there was far too much in the ring and you couldn't focus. This setup allowed for a basic build-up, but not that much. Considering how much AEW enjoys big spots, I did expect more ladder shots. That was surprising, there weren't that many. They were used, but not as often and not as many as you would have expected. It actually made the match more meaningful each time it was used. Page being the Joker was pretty cool. Moment to bring him back. The crowd gave him an incredible pop. This was another solid moment in AEW Dynamite. Overall, the show was hit and miss. Some good, some bad. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. And that is AEW Dynamite for Wednesday the 6th of October 2021. That is it for this week's Alpha Zone.
Take care. God bless. Look after each other. Love each other. Do the best you can to support each other. Remember to always have a smile and to be friendly as you don't know if smiling at one person and waving and saying hello will make that one person's death.